My name is Zoe, the co-host of Not Superwoman. I am the granddaughter of French, English and Irish immigrants now living on Boorong land. I acknowledge that we meet on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast was recorded. We pay respects to elders past and present. I recognize and respect their cultural heritage, beliefs and relationships with this land. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. Welcome. We're back and we have another wonderful episode. We are joined with Alex McCabe. She is the co-founder along with her two best friends, Kate and Hayley, of the global homewares and bedding brand Kip & Co. Um, You might have seen it. It's like beautiful, vibrant, sort of joyous homewares and bedding. And we are so excited that she's joining us. She's just a really interesting person because she's we, we talked to her about career. She was in the corporate world, decided she wasn't sort of really following through with what fulfilled her, so did a big career change. And then as a side hustle with Kate and Hayley, started chipping away at Kip and Co and launched it in 2012 and um, and now they're in they've had their all 10 11 year anniversary and it's now a global brand that you can get in, in the US and around the world and I think what I just loved about chatting with her is the fact that you can change your career multiple times in your life mm. yeah and just um just understanding like what what goes on in the moment where you're recognising you, you're in a job or a career that you're not enjoying and you want to change something. It's so interesting to talk to someone to navigate how they worked their way out of their job that they weren't liking and into finding something that they do want to go do. Yes, and I think an integral part of that is, you know, what Alex said about chatting to a careers counsellor, mm. finding one that is – I haven't had luck finding great ones, but we will try and find someone and maybe pop that in the notes. Yes. Having mentors, so whether that's male or female mentors, to chat things through, strategies, ideas, just having that is also incredibly important. And flexibility around, you know, your work-life balance. Yeah, I think think the landscape's changing and changed. I think people are reimagining and reinventing how they want to live and work, and in certain careers, I think it's it's locked and locked in for the most part in a oh, lot of careers yes. in corporate world and business, in you know medicine, uh, like you know there well, you are can't reasons. Like I'm working from home. No. <laughs> but I think it's interesting when you're, for example, we tapped into the fact that Alex grew up with her mum, you know, instilling arts and crafts and creativity, and so when she became a lawyer, it didn't necessarily like she didn't feel she fulfilled because she wanted creative outlet yeah. yeah um and so recognizing I guess the things that you do do enjoy that you are capable of doing and it's nice to also hear like you know every job she does say like every job that I had has gotten me to here like it's shaped me it's given me um an understanding I've grown in each role and I've also like, you know, you talked about mentors before as well. She's like, I've been around, you know, people, bosses, colleagues that were horrible too and it's taught me not what I – 
don't want to be like yes. and what I don't want to do when I have my own small business and now that it's becoming a big business for her. So very interesting to, to nut that all out. Yeah, I'd like our business to be big. <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day. But you know what? What also she said was that comes with its challenges too. Be careful what you wish for, right? Exactly. Yeah, we'll just keep it humble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're very excited to share Alex's story and so grateful that she was willing to chat to us about it. Welcome, Alex. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are delighted to be sitting with the very talented, very clever Alex McCabe from Kip and Co. You might know Kip and Co. It is um, well now a global homewares and bedding brand that you founded with two of your best friends, Kate and Haley, back in 2012. Welcome. We're so excited to be able to talk to you about the journey that is and how how you got to be sitting here with us today. Yay. Thanks for having me, ladies. <laughs> At my dining room table. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Change of scene. We've, I've headed to the country. Yeah. Country edition. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should say that Alex is, well, she lives around the corner. Mm-hmm. We've got a good posse in Merricks and Red Hill. Yeah. I know. Good. It's um well it all sort of came about because you guys just did a styling uh Kip and Co styling at Zoe's house recently. Is that yeah. Yes, yeah, well, a few it, weeks ago. It goes back even further than that, though, because Zoe was a model for Kip and Co. I was. I don't know if she's disclosed that. Oh my I, God, for, I actually forgot about that. <laughs> so I that, did, that's yeah, how we actually was, met. That was fun. That was yeah. so good. Back in the day. Oh, no, yeah, when I was young. <laughs> that was six years ago. Um, and then, yes, when um, I moved down here, we kind of reconnected and I was very lucky to be able to hit her up for a home life series. Which will be I just can't soon. wait to see those shots. It's yes. so fun when other people come into your home and... Reimagine it. Yeah. Because yep. yeah. you do. You get stale looking at it yourself. Oh, it's I love this space. There's so much colour and um, character in it and that's exactly what um, Kip's about and what my... What is, is it's too, such a so. vibrant, like joyful brand and I love the style and it honestly like sparks joy. Like, yeah, it does, 100%. It, it's just so different to, to anything else on the market that's available within Australia I'm thinking of at the moment. but And also very nostalgic, Mm, definitely. Some of the collabs that we've done have really tapped into that kind of 80s child because I guess we're often speaking to um, a customer who's quite like ourselves. So growing up in the 80s, so your Kendone collabs and I love the him May so Gibbs much. one really hit a nerve with all the mums and a lot of people jumped on them, which That's is nice awesome. to see. Yeah, Zoe and I were talking about wanting to interview you, how the journey that, that – came to be Kip and Co now, and you grew up on the peninsula, you uh, went to an all-girls school, and then you from school you ended up being becoming a lawyer. Is that – am I I'm on, on right. track? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, from our conversation earlier as well, you then um, – from a lawyer you went into marketing communications. Yep. Alex and I did talk prior to this interview and we were talking about how um, you sort of – you are a bit creative when you're – younger and you sort of have these after school extracurricular activities that you go do or that your parents encourage and you know they really uh, are, are a part of who you are and then through school and through curriculum and education you can kind of get funneled one way or the other 
And we talked about how you found yourself being a lawyer and then reflecting upon the fact that it wasn't necessarily exactly who you wanted to be or what you wanted to do. Um, and in that conversation, you did sort of, or, or no, it was in a podcast that I was listening to, you talked about how you were creative when you were young and your mum used to get you to do arts and crafts and you, you used to go to the local market and sell the arts and crafts. And I was fascinated by that because I feel like it ties back to like the the um, the soul of Kip and Co., yeah. Um, so can you t- take us back to then, like how were you creative when you were younger? We'll start back there. Start there. Um, yeah, I think I was. I mean, it's that nature-nurture thing. Um, so I think I am creative myself, but by God it was forced upon me by my mother to be creative, <laughs> even if I wasn't going to be. Um, and so one of the ways that that manifested was at the Red Hill Markets might have seen you there, <laughs> um, where, it, I mean, we didn't do it every week, but definitely every year we'd do a couple of markets and there'd be a different thing that we were selling each year. Um, often around Christmas time, they get kind of bigger, so they'd be, we'd be doing gingerbread houses or like totally 80s combs with Christmas decorations or making scrunchies. Such or a good idea. So I'll get the twinnies awesome. on that this year. Yeah, there you go. You make a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and I think I enjoyed it, although I found it intimidating too because I was the youngest of three and I think um, like it was challenging for me and I definitely remember the gingerbread stall my gingerbread house didn't sell and I was just like surely mum has given money to someone who will then come and buy it but no I took the gingerbread house home. oh no I was scarred by that but um that no, overall a very positive experience and I'm yeah look it was just one piece of many kind of crafting or creative activities that we did that mum was both the instigator of and also the chauffeur for because you have to be down here because you can't just walk to anything. Mm. So it was a commitment, family commitment really. And was that because she was herself very creative? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not um, in her profession particularly but um, certainly she is a creative person. She's an amazing artist. She, My sister now has a shop in um, Flinders and – is a fashion designer and mum makes some of the clothes still for that. She's the knitter for some oh, of the clothes. I love amazing. that knitwear. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is stunning. And she's 82. I think that's right, mum, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, and still, you know, producing always when you go home. She's making something. So that, I don't know, that rubs off on you. It just has to. I do, <laughs> but I also find it fascinating that, that she was so, that obviously was so fulfilling and something she wanted to pass down to to you guys, but also fascinating that it also wasn't what she did for mm, her work. Yeah. And I do find that that we often find ourselves in these situations as women, like where we sort of, um, well, I guess you, there's bills to pay and you've got to provide for your children or live, but at the same time you're not maybe necessarily diving into exactly what you want to do. Well, you need s- side passions or, I guess, mm. creative outlets, mm. or, as Charlie once called mine, creative indulgence. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Sport slash the money pit. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Charlie. <laughs> it well, was, I think for in mom, hindsight. The, um, you know, she was creative, but... Back in her day when you're uh, finishing school, 
the most common path was nursing Mm. and that's really where a lot of um, females were funnelled into if you went into a profession at all. Um, I think, yeah, that was pretty typical. So that's where she found herself. Mm. And that, I mean, that's a, a nurturing, caring space as well, obviously. So I think there is some kind of crossover there. But yeah, I wonder what she would have done had she been given the opportunities of a woman kind of graduating from school today. In a new Probably generation. Probably would have been different. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you, But you yourself, like you're clearly um, very academically ca- capable. I mean, to, end, to, to, to do law and then do marketing communications and stuff, do you encourage that way at school um, – yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this, having yeah. been through um, the same school and then probably a similar school when you went to senior school. Um, look, I feel like it, they were very encouraging of creative endeavours while I was at school and definitely there were lots of um, options for you to choose, you know, dance or art or whatever you wanted really. Um, but I felt like there was a really big disconnect then from doing those subjects up to year 12 and then them being able to um, demonstrate to you what that could look like for a career. Mm, it was just this really miss, missing link and um, instead what they did was talk you through about five pretty traditional career options like law, medicine, science. Um, like I didn't even know there was such a thing as a communications degree no, or no. that someone did that. So... You know, and I mean, it's in their best the interests. So they're running a business. They want to channel you, I guess, into those kind of occupations. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have kids in that senior period of their lives yet, but I do hope there's some form of evolution. I think there is a huge shift now with uh, people being able to reimagine what they want to do and how they could possibly do it. It does feel like the landscape has changed, but I do understand what you mean. Like I remember being in the careers office and them slamming down the – The list the, and the, the book. book. That book and yes. being like go – and it was like a – I don't know if any of our listeners would know pages. what a yellow pages is, but it was like a yellow pages and that you had – Thousands of pages and and courses and whatever, and you had to choose three or something or five. And I now, in hindsight, I'm like, that's lunacy. No, there was a survey. They did a little survey, and I think one of them came up with. I think we got that. I do remember getting notifications. Rebecca, you've missed your careers appointment again. Rebecca, (laughs) are you going to come to your careers appointment again? (laughs) Hence why I probably dilly dally dally for too long. But um, so then you entered into or worked very hard to to do law. What was the tipping point for you where you were in your career and sort of looking around at the landscape going, like, what what was triggering for you? Well, so I actually did arts first, but that had even less direction for me at the end of it than um, Year 12 careers counsellor had given me. So, uh, and I was on my own. I really struggled actually in arts. I had gone from being like pretty high achieving and then I just kind of bombed. Mm. I was like, I'll just go to the pub and presumably someone will tell me when I need to do something, but no one did. Mm. And so (laughs) that was a relatively unsuccessful period, but I had a lot of fun. And then we were coming towards the end of that and suddenly friends are getting jobs. And I was like, oh my God, I have no idea. I've got zero ideas of what to do. 
and I went overseas traveling for a bit and it will come to me while I'm overseas and it, it didn't and I was like okay I'll do a very 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 late application for law and um, I got in and did that but it was a really it was a fallback option because it was familiar to me because I knew lawyers and my dad was a lawyer and so it felt like um, you know at least I knew that was a job that people had mm. to be a lawyer but I was never intending to do it. I thought, I'll finish that course. And people say it's a really good foundation degree. And then you can go and be anything. If you've got an arts degree and a law degree, you could do anything. Mm. But actually what you can do is be a lawyer is the, is the most obvious thing to do. And so I found myself like doing the applications for vacation clerks. And I was like, I'll just do this. And then I'll figure out what the next step is after that but you just get into this funnel always and Mm. it's like it's really hard to get out of the slipstream because once you do the clerkships and you get offered your um, articles and then you're kind of there in a suit and you've done all that work so you're like why do I step away from that when I'm kind of in it yeah so I kind of liked it but I was like this isn't a this isn't my life. Mm. Surely this is not my life, though. This is just this bit in between. But I just was – I really struggled to recognise um, what the what the way was out. And so eventually someone um, said to me, you should see a careers counsellor, which is really obvious and just hadn't occurred but to But I me. think you need to see a, a great one. Yeah. Like I think I've only ever seen not great ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I, oh, maybe I did. I went – I don't know when I went. I went at some point and I don't think it obviously was very impactful because I can't really remember it. But I remember it costing a small fortune and I was there for like an hour and I sort of left as directionless as I arrived. Mm. But that's probably for me – I wasn't very academically inclined and so... Um, you, you didn't have a law degree? <laughs> and no, I just found I, I, I flunked out of maths, was t- useless at science, mm, like nice. all that stuff. And so then I just um, I, I found it and I, I think naturally I am a creative and I also have a problem with authority so I don't like being told <laughs> what to do. <laughs> So then yeah, my no is, one at school was going to say, why don't you go into film and television? No. Yeah. No. Like, it's like they were never going to oh, say. Do you think they are now? Yes. Yeah. I think it's totally changed. Well, we hope. I don't know. Yes, I do hope it changed. But that was that was where I ended up and what I do love to so do. So hang on, what did they – so ha, tell us the next bit, Alex. So I was working as a lawyer in Melbourne and then I went and worked in London and while I was there I saw a careers counsellor and, yeah, you did all the psychometric testing, which might have been what you were saying you guys got in year 12. Maybe. Hmm, maybe. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so fancy. And – the outcomes of that were law, and I was like, bow, bow, I've already yeah. tried that one, or communications, which I really didn't know what it was. And um, she was kind of like, off you go, go and research that, and that's your career now. So I came back, I'd been on um, like a leave of absence from my firm in Melbourne, so I came back to Melbourne and the partners were really amazing. They were trying to um, convince me to stay and do some extra study um, that the firm would pay for. They, they do, that's how they, they just keep... They lure you they in. They lure you in more and more. And I was like, no, nah, I'm out. 
Um, and they were amazing. I had such great bosses there and they helped me um, connect with an agency, comms agency in Melbourne who did financial comms. Um, so I worked with them. Which is so nice, so nice when nice people help each other. And yeah. And that was um, that job was the worst job I've ever had. So it was a really rude shock. Because the law firm job had been not my passion but a very, like, lovely workplace. Like, you know, they, they really try to be best practice, those mm. um, big firms. And then I went to this small agency and it was just bloody brutal, like 5.30 starts to read the newspaper to find references to your clients and, like, a really bullying culture that was awful that, you know, if you'd had even a whiff of that in the law firm, those people would have been out. But this place, it was just Like rife. toxic. Toxic. Throughout oh. all of this, like going to see the career counsellor um, and, you know, twigging that law didn't feel right. Like what was going on for you? Was it a visceral feeling? Was it a poignant moment? Was it something that was like I'm, we, like, I'm feeling really unfulfilled or? Yeah, probably the latter, <laughs> I think, just unfulfilled. I just was like this can't be it. Mm. I'm disappointed with life if if this is you have to spend so much time working and if this is what working is I'm not buying it like this is disappointing so yeah I think and because I never it wasn't like I ever had started law going I want to be a lawyer so I felt like a mistake the whole time Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to kind of abort from that era Mm. um and then jumping into comms and finding that a very difficult workplace. But I could tell I really liked the work. Mm. It's like, you people are crazy, but this is fun still. I yeah, can see that right. this could be fun. Yeah. So it was, it was very different. It was almost the, um, the opposite that I was getting from it. And so then when you were in comms, like what, what was the sort of process from experiencing and, in, and somewhat enjoying comms to then – because I know that when you founded, co-founded Kip and Co um, with Kate and Haley back in, well, we were talking about earlier that it was officially launched in 2012, but you were sort of, it was a side hustle building in the background of those years prior to that. Yeah. Was com, were you doing comms and doing that? I think um, we started those conversations when I was having that, like, the peak careers crisis, Mm -hmm. that's when I was saying to Kate at the time, we need, like, let's start a business because I don't want to work for the man anymore because this is not working out for me. And I kind of, we were sort of hedging our bets. So I was like, I'm going to try this new career and also we're going to start a business and we'll see what happens. And I was about 30. So it felt late to have a career change because I went back to the very bottom Mm. and, like, got paid absolutely nothing um, and then was trying to start business on the side and I was like, man, I feel like I've left my run very late. Mm. But, you know, you always, I don't know, 30 seemed so old at the time. And now it seems so so young. young. (laughs) So young, yeah. And then so can you talk us through how you know Kate and Hayley and how your friendship came about and yeah um so when I left uh home I went to um college to live because I didn't know anyone in the city and Kate was uh good friends of uh one of my best mates who was at college with me and so she just spent a lot of time there 
but we just clicked. And after I left college, we all lived together on and off for um, a few years. And she was um, living with me when she got, she was married and like, Eight and a half months pregnant, we were all living together still. Hayley and Kate are sisters, is that yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So Hayley's the big sister and I had um, met her a few times just through Kate, having been um, housemates with her, but it wasn't until we were really seriously talking about starting a business and those two had already had a business together. They had a health food shop in um, Hawthorne called Sprout. Oh, I loved oh, that shop. Gosh, yeah. yeah, so did that I. That was great. Yeah, it was really awesome. And there was a yoga studio upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was beautiful. So they had already had some small business experience and they had sold that and I had helped them with the sale. And um, then Kate and I were talking about doing a business. And I think those two had sworn they would never work together again. And three months later, they're like, let's start another business. So that's how we kind of became a threesome. And I mean, it is really amazing. I, I can't imagine running a business with my sisters or, well, and, and I, well, I guess safe to say we, Zoe and I do the podcast together and we've been best friends. But three is such an interesting number. And also with siblings, because I think then it's probably a great dynamic having someone else balance out and come in with a different – we'd all bring something different to the table yeah, and yeah. support and help each other. Like it's – like you and I, we've got such different personalities and I think that's why it works. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And we can be quite vicious. Well, we're <laughs> honest with each other. Yeah, well, that's yes, it. Yeah. It's honest, you do it, you move on. Yes. Like we're not dwelling on things. Nah, no, yeah, no. And I feel like that's the only like. way. Like how do you – you make decisions, move on. You have to. I don't know. Yeah. And I think um, I probably wouldn't have been like that, but it's their their dynamic has sort of set the tone and it is that really familial, sisterly way of being where you, yeah, it's pretty like blunt and it's very- you just you, you make decisions quickly, you say what's on your mind. There's not the maybe niceties that you um, – would have if you were dealing with a co-worker. Mm. Yes. It's just like straight hey, to the point. Hey, that that's a crap idea. We're moving on. Let's move on. Yeah. And you have to be you have it's to like a knife in the heart. But then <laughs> they're like, could I make you a cup of tea? And it's all fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the yeah. beginning I was a bit like, whoa. But now just used to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way it is. I think back to what you were saying earlier where you mentioned working for the man, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And is that so you were like, I want to go start a small business with you guys because I want to reimagine what work is. Is yeah. Was that the idea? Yeah, definitely. And I think because we were all around 30, and that's a real point of flux in people's lives. I think. Huge. You're kind of reassessing. You're, you're really an adult then. I mean, I know you are when you're in your 20s, but it's sort of this partly an extension of your youth too. Mm. But the expectations change a lot when you're in your 30s for, on yourself and also from society, I think. Um, and so suddenly I was like, lifting my head up to look really much longer term into the future and what do you really want to do with your life and I was just like I want to have more autonomy um, over my own destiny and Mm. I think the only way you can do that is to be your own boss Mm. Um, yeah I think it's hard it's it's much harder to do that within the structure of a corporate organization or um, you know another company Mm. to really choose your future Mm. 
I guess when you are your own boss, you have that. Yes. And so do you, um, like I, I think back to as well when we were talking about the markets at the start, were you missing creativity as well? Yeah, that was the big thing that we agreed we wanted in the business was that it had to be creative and it had to be flexible because I was still working and Kate was pregnant or maybe um, Hayley definitely had her kids and Kate maybe had um, was pregnant with her first. So it had to fit around our lives. It wasn't like we were dropping everything to just do this. Mm. Um, so that kind of meant it had to be online and, yeah, I don't really mind what part of creativity, but just something creative. So they were really our two prerequisites. Right. So you went into it together, not necessarily with homewares and bedding in the forefront of your mind. You went into it with essentially boundaries in place to be able to have autonomy of your life. Yeah. And then a need and a desire for some sense of creativity. Yeah, exactly. So then you – like – because a lot of small business owners sort of say, oh, you sort of, you never get days off when it's your own business and, uh, you know, you can work tirelessly and 24-7 and so on and so on. But it sounds like you went into it with pretty firm firm boundaries from the outset as to, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think we've been pr- pretty good. I mean, it's always on my mind, but because there have been other immovable demands from the get-go with us, like tiny babies and a nine-to-five job, it's really had to, it's at its foundations was built as a business that is quite flexible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that we are probably better than some small business owners in being able to switch off, but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a beast that you could feed Mm. day in, day out for sure. I I understand. Quick question. Did you have a business plan? No. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the amount of people that say to me, can we see your business plan? I'm like, yeah, so that's coming. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, no. No. And it's often the thing I say, um, like we get asked, like, what's your tip, top tip for people wanting to start a business? And I say just start because most people who I speak to are wanting who are wanting to start a business have gotten stuck or really caught up on um, trying to resolve some particular aspect of their business plan, wanting it to be perfect or wanting to do the business plan, but that in itself is stopping them. Yes, agreed. But you're never going to kind of have everything nailed. And I think it evolves as you throw yourself in and kind of get into it, find your groove. Yeah. Like you would have had your first collection that was just bedding? It was just bedding, yeah. 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 And, and then, I guess, evolved so much in the you know next 10 years after yeah. that to be and a lifestyle always, brand. Yeah, you're just always learning. Um, Did you ever have moments um, of when you were starting out uh, of doubt, of going, oh, God, what's going on here? Um, I think, honestly, we didn't, or I didn't at least, have particularly – high or like fixed expectations Mm. so any little win felt like wow a win that's cool yeah that's good we just yeah and maybe that's the benefit of not having a business plan well and not having expectations like going into it you've got an income coming from the work that you're doing on the side so you're stable there yeah and you've got the ability to then you know throw things into it and see where it goes yeah exactly and that that's 
very true that I there wasn't the financial pressure and yes. noose around my neck to make that um, make Kip work from day one. It had the luxury of being able to kind of grow organically because, yeah, I was still working and that was able to sustain me financially and the other girls were um, having babies and so that was their focus. So I think it really had quite a different, um, you know, those kind of early years of the business were probably different to others. Not by plan, you know, not by plan, but I think yeah, it actually just organically grew the best thing for us. Um, we never borrowed any money from anyone. It was just which is also fantastic. So then you never felt that pressure. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. At what point did you start to try for a family, or perhaps have your first child? Were you still in comms and doing Kip and Co, or had you left comms and? Yeah. Um, God, my memory's bad. <laughs> and where did you meet Bobby? <laughs> where did I meet Bobby? So I was working um, at a bank in comms and Bobby was working as a lawyer um, at the same bank. Ooh. And so we met there and um, I, I had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. So I did IVF for a long time um, and I had, I had fallen pregnant and I was at work still and I think I was like, I don't want to do baby work and kip. That feels like an unachievable amount. Um, and so I went, I, I resigned. And I remember my boss, who was also really lovely, saying to me then, take mat leave. At least you get paid for it. Then you don't even have to come back. I love that so much. What a legend. I was like, no, nah, because honestly, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's funny because I did listen to you on a couple of other podcasts and I do remember you talking about how much um, female mentors have impacted like you personally and the way in which you run Kip & Co. Do you think it's an integral part of being able to start a small business by having like female support or female guidance? Yes. Yeah. Um, is it integral? I don't know if it's integral actually. It's important to me mm. but I'm sure that you could – um, have a successful business without having done that. And part of, part of the reason why I feel like I'm the um, manager or boss I am is because um, of that awful boss I had who was female and was everything I was like, I will never be like that. Mm. I want to be a, a woman who manages in the exact opposite way to what you're doing. So it's not like every female boss I've had has been amazing um, but I certainly have had some who were, were exactly that, those role models, and some who were really bad models, and that helped me too. Yeah. So I was like... Yeah, well, there's you. always something you can draw from. Yes, yes, exactly. God, I've got some funny stories, but then I was just like, I can't say that because... Oh, yes. Yeah. No, we're I've recording and they'll reverberate The vegan to office. <laughs> yes. Oh, we'll have to edit that. Those. <laughs> um, so in, with that being said, do you feel like... Although you weren't feeling fulfilled during your time in being a lawyer and like necessarily completely fulfilled with communications, do you feel like it put you in good stead for Kip and Co? Has it been a, an in, um, a part of your contribution? Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, no regrets. I think um, the most interesting thing you can do with your life is to have a bit of a patchwork of um, experiences and that might include different careers and I 
I love that now about the last 20 years of my life even if just for all the different groups of friends that I have in my life yep. who are completely different people because they, some are lawyers and some are comms people or government relations or whatever it might be and now really big creative community and they all make me a more, I don't know, a, a more rounded person and I have conversations about completely different things and they mm. all challenge you in a different way and I love that and and for sure I've learnt a lot um, in terms of like the actual skills that you get in particular jobs and that's helped me for KIPP too, mm. definitely. Um, and why I think Kate and Haley and I have worked so well because we all had gone off and done quite different things. So um, I could bring my skill set but Kate had done um, accounting and then had run a small business and Haley had done naturopathy and then had run small business as well. So really different um, skill sets but all have had – um, an important role now in making KIPP what it is. That's amazing. It is. It's so fascinating to hear like three three very diverse women in d- different career paths coming together and being able to, um, I, I think I said to you on the phone in advance of this interview, like too, there's not too many chefs in the kitchen, mm-hmm. like you're all equal contributors because you've got very individual um, contributions. Yeah, yeah and opinions and point of view yeah you obviously all respect each other yeah like there'd be you know those integral kind of values that you would all bring that you all you know agree to and respect Mm. yeah it's a it is such an important dynamic as you two would know your (laughs) business partner dynamic (laughs) is what makes or breaks your business yes most um yeah i know quite a few small businesses who have um and not around anymore because they've had a disagreement or, you know. Watch this space. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, Season three is not coming. <laughs> no, we are. We are. It's sticking out. There's nothing we can't get we through, right? Third, we need a third member. <laughs> a mediator. My sister. Your sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. Sorry. No. Um, uh, but that being said, so since then, you guys, three of you, it's gone from being an online betting company to now you've got global reach. How does that? How do you juggle all of that with, and even going back to when you did have your first child? Like, how did you go um, growing it whilst trying to have your first child? And also IVF. Like IVF oh, is incredibly. We can only imagine, and and it, and I can't obviously empathise enough with how challenging that would have been. So how do you go through all of that and trying to grow a small business? Mm. Yeah, I don't – I think – I was saying to you when we spoke about this the other day, I definitely don't have any um, secret sauce or, you know, silver bullet for the challenge that is parenting and having a business or having a like, job. Did you take that leave? Uh, not really, no. Yeah. I think um, about two weeks and then uh, – yeah, I went. I was back at work, um, but that was a choice that I didn't have to do. That my business partners were very supportive, but it was kind of what I'd seen them do. So I was like, "This is just what we do." Um, and with my first kid, she was pretty good actually, and I felt pretty good, like you know, hellish mastitis, but pretty good. Um, I mean, he just. I, I was fortunate in that I was able to take the babies 
into the office. We've got photos of them like in the cardboard boxes with the product and crawling around in like, you know, death trap scenarios. <laughs> There'd be a, like there was a cot in the KIP office for a long time because one of us was always having a kid. So we were able to do that and because all three of us had done it together, we really didn't mind the sound of a crying baby no. there all the time and one of us would just grab them and, um, you know, rock the baby oh. or go for a It was I mean, talk about flexible. That was very flexible but probably quite trying for our employees who were not at that stage in their life and were just trying to get some work done. Um, but, yeah, somehow it kind of worked. It's an b- absolute blur truly. And the IVF thing uh, thrown in there, um, I was all right with IVF actually because I quite like process mm. and it, you have to really follow a process. a process. And so I think I just like switched switched into seeing that as a um, like a little task list to get through and I didn't find the, the meds weren't throwing me too much but I do know plenty of women who um, that is a really different experience for and really is like a full-time job in itself then. Mm. So, yeah, I was lucky that that didn't kind of um, become that for me. Yes. Because I was absolutely capped out with um, what I was doing with Kip and the babies who, you know, don't sleep. And <laughs> But it's quite amazing, yeah. like, having as well, like, the three of you being able to pick each other up you know, when the chips are down, so to speak. Oh, yes. And in those, because those are the most trying times. Um, I'm sure as much as our IVF was a process for you and the meds didn't affect it, still and an, in addition to your life mm. that I'm sure was taxing at times. Mm. And then on top of that, when you do have your first child and you're feeding and running a small business, having like a network of the three of you plus any other support networks that you might have to tap in and like, you know, as you said, like oh, lift yeah, up. And you lift, lift each other up. Yeah. Like if you're flat and you've come into the office, someone else can take the baby, you can have a cup of tea. Like yeah, you exactly. all balance each other out, you read each other. Mm. Yeah, I know. Mm. It did. It, re- it probably helped being able to. Having routine yeah. is so important. But what I, th- yeah. I, I really feel like um, is the most um, poignant thing for me talking to you is just that. I reflect upon the fact that, like, for me, I didn't return to work and I was just at home alone with the crying baby and it was so, like, challenging and lonely mm-hmm. and yet that I think we were talking um, recently to Virginia Tapscott from Parents Work Collective and she writes, she's a journalist that freelances and she was talking about how at the end of our episode she was saying, like, we all do seek some form of validation in our lives and and it's sort of almost like ingrained in us as human beings. So I think when you're at home and you've just got a crying baby and no validation, mm. it's, really, um, it's really challenging, whereas you went and created with your best friends an environment in which you could almost validate each other and have each other's back and, mm-hmm. you know, get through that period, albeit I can only imagine extremely busy and extremely mm. and challenging. Just, messy. just a, a messy time of life. But, yeah, no, you're right. And I hadn't – honestly, I probably hadn't really thought about it like that before. Mm. But that definitely resonates with me and I think um, it's that 
workspace as well that was a sense of community where you could talk about any um, parenting thing that was going on whereas mm. if I was still in a corporate I absolutely would have had to walk into that office and put on my like corporate hat and not really talk about the fact I hadn't slept or that I had vomit down my top or you know no. I would be trying to hide that part of my life I think whereas at KIPP I couldn't have given a shit if whatever I was well, wearing. It was totally transparent. Yeah, like it's, all... it's, it's there. It's literally there in your face. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. That was quite therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and, and to, to, I mean, to not to ha- labour on it, but then like further to that I'd think about how. Um, Don't make Alex cry. No. <laughs> no, but no, I. I'm saying that to myself in the car here. I'm like, you're not going to cry. No, every, everyone cries. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, no, but I was thinking about how. Um, do you think it was the dynamic between the three of you that, or was there a leader in within the group of three that went, let's reimagine work together and this is what these are the boundaries and this is what we did. or was it a, was it just like best friends having conversations going you know what let's because I was listening to you on another podcast and you were talking about how Mondays and Thursdays Mondays were office days and Thursdays yeah. um, were design days where you would look uh, reviewing textiles mm-hmm. and so on like um, and then the other days were work from home and trying yeah. to find that work-life balance and I specifically remember as well you saying that, you know, the weekends are to be the weekends. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm trying to think, like, it's just so impressive to go out and basically reimagine and reshape what a business and a small business and a system and a structure can be mm-hmm. because we did grow up in an environment where it, it, it was considered nine to five and it was considered, you know, like bl- quite black and white. Yeah. So to enter a grey space and reimagine it for yourselves, was it the three of you that did it together or do you feel like there was one person in particular that had the imagination to reshape it? I don't think that we were that um, inspired or planned to be like we are disrupting this model and this is exactly how. It was more because it had to be, in our minds, it just had to be that way because uh, the other parts of our life were set and so that's kind of the ultimate way to think about flexible work because the the business was secondary to yep. those things at yeah, that time. Right. Um, and I, I would say, though, so then it was just the three of us and we really were the masters of our own destiny yep. and the business was at that beautiful stage which now, you know, when you're in it, you're like, man, I, we're trying to grow, we're trying to hustle, we're trying to do this and that. Now I look back on those early years with such nostalgia because it was so much easier. Um, the business was so so simple and there was three of us for about four years or something. We didn't hire any staff for a long time and so we could, you know, we didn't know we were not held to account. We didn't need to explain anything to anyone. We could just do what we wanted. So that gives you that freedom to be totally flexible. As the business has grown and the complexities of the business amplify every year um, and the staff have, has grown now, we've got about 25 staff, um, it would be remiss of me not to say that we have probably evolved into a more traditional business model mm. Because you had had to. to, 
we still work in a flexible mm. way, but I would hate my staff to be listening to this saying, we still have to go into the office every day. What's she talking about? Yes, I so, see. Yeah, but I think it's, it's different when you're, yeah, the founders yeah. and you, yeah. you know, you're Well, and as you're starting growing. out and it's all a part of the beginning processes. But, yeah, yeah I think it's just – it's probably – uh, um, in line with the age and the time that you're at mm. in your lives too, mm. uh, as in, you know, starting families and like what do you do in the moments with the kids? Like do the others tap in when you're like, I've got sick kids, I can't I can't make it? Or, yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Mm. That's and, and now the business is big enough that they really could operate without us, I think, uh, maybe not in the design world, but we've now been fortunate enough to hire um, amazing experts in each of their roles so um, we're providing that kind of intuitive um, brand direction and like corporate knowledge because we've been doing this for so long but they're the ones who are telling us um, you know how it is in the world of e-commerce or marketing or whatever it is they they're the the leaders really and I'm quite happy about that (laughs) oh I'd be thrilled yeah (laughs) That's oh yeah. Do I, I think about going back to the beginning of like your mum in um, instilling arts and crafts in you? Do your does your mum reflect fondly with you now about the fact that you've created such a like creative yet you know well rounded business? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mum, um, she's quite reserved with her emotions. <laughs> How do I say? Um, but she's proud for sure. And um, I think the thing that we connect on now, which I really love, is actually not so much Kip, but my kids and reliving the crafting cycle all over again, but this time with me and mum. And yeah. so we're going to get to do it all again, even for my birthday. Um a couple of months ago, she'd set up a crafting table for me and the girls. Like I had a little. Oh, I love that! So good. Yeah. So it's so beautiful because that's the thing. I mean, going back to tying in, you know, what we did when we were younger to to now is like, you know, it is it is ingrained in you, and it can be historical, and you do tend to want to return to what you enjoyed or experienced, or even your parents sort of pushed you towards. But even you know, you think about the books you read to your children at night and the things yeah. that you – they're all the things from my childhood. Yes. They're like, we hate that book. I'm like, I love Madeline. <laughs> We're having it again. But it's – I bet you, I bet you in years to come you'll, they'll be reading that book. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. Like it's just so funny how it all unfolds the way it does. Towards the end we always ask a bit of a hindsight question mm. and – Again, it's um, – I always sort of semi-explain just um, in case because it, some people think that I'm asking them to highlight their regrets, but I'm not. I'm, it's more just like if anyone is in the position that you were in at that time or at a tipping point of starting a small business or wanting to change careers because they're not feeling fulfilled, like what would you nurture and go back and tell yourself a hindsight that you learnt in those moments? If we were to start with your career change – would you go back in a moment of like not being sure or self-doubt where you'd want to tell yourself something like you've got this or? Um, I think the thing I would want to tell myself is that each um, job that you have has its place. Like I was just so keen to get out of being a lawyer that I probably missed some of the opportunity of just 
being in that role, mm. my eye was on the door the whole time. I was like, what's the next thing? But it would come, like it's always going to come. You will get there. You will find the next step and just try and um, get what you can out of the role or place that you've found yourself in because it will help you then in your next um, stage of life too. Mm. So I, I think that's what I would say for that part. Charlie, it relates back to, it reminds me of Georgie. Well, the relationship one too. Yeah, Talking oh. about how you never have regrets with relationships, like everything mm. has a part to play Yes, yes. I, I feel in like making you the person you are and the decision. Yeah. Yeah, you make going forward totally. Even mm. if it was a bad experience, mm. yes, nothing's ever wasted. Yes, as Georgie, exactly. yeah. Georgie Coglin said in one of our episodes, and Alana Kennedy saying, "There's wisdom in wounds." But mm. that is that the right way? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds poetic. <laughs> yeah, she was good. Um, and then, what would you go back and tell yourself in your most challenging moment of getting Kip and Co up and running? I think the most challenging part of KIPP, it's honestly probably now, I think I'm in it, I think every year gets harder um, and that is a positive Mm. because it's the upshot of being a bigger business and dealing with the next stage of growth. So I'm trying to tell myself at the moment I need a a reset. I think my um, I have tipped too much into work and the kids are at an age where I really want to spend more time with them so I'm just trying to pull back a bit because it's like um, I was saying before about that slipstream of doing a degree and then getting into the um, you know profession that makes sense from that and then before you know it you're trying to climb this corporate ladder that you never planned on Um, I feel like I'm at risking of being in the slipstream of trying to get Kip to grow and grow and grow and grow but it's kind of like to what end? Mm. You need to. I need to step back a bit. I think next year that's my goal. Mm. <laughs> I'll let you know how I go with that. Yeah, well, to, I, I, I can, like that, and yeah. I can see why you need to do that. Yeah, because so as I hate, <laughs> I hate saying no, yeah, because haggard, no. But you just it, it's that you and Charlie said this to me the other day. And I'm like, why are you so depressing? You never get this time back yeah. with your children as well. Like as much as you love work and you love doing that. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, you don't get that time back. Yeah. And I think the balancing um, cha- can change a bit definitely. depending on the age of your kid. Yes. Um, obviously you can't do it all. And sometimes you do more of one thing and less of the other and sometimes yep. vice versa. But I think I'm, yeah, at the stage right now where I need to be doing more. I want to be doing more of the family stuff and it's like I can feel it's pulling the other way like a giant magnet. Yes. So and, and when mm. they're at school, you know, the whole dynamic changes again yeah. too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, you know, it will constantly change and I guess it's evolving with it. Yeah. Well, it's very exciting um, watching and um, from afar and, you know, the evolution of, you know, what what was sort of two, 2012, pre-2012 and Kim and Co and what you and Kate and Hayley have been able to create and then even the fact that you've been able to have the ability to self-reflect and reassess at each sort of career milestone. And it sounds like, and I'm not saying 
that you're reevaluating Kip and Go, but it just sounds like, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like that there's another sort of evolution stage, you know, coming yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah. It's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Still Kip, but just, you know, reimagined, as he said. Yes. And um, we're very excited to see where that goes for you and and congratulations on everything that you've achieved to date. And so grateful hey that you're willing to share with us. That so thanks, Alex. Thanks for all the snacks. <laughs> yeah, we do love snacks. <laughs> we do. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links, and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys.